special thank you. Just a moment ago, as they were giving out the flowers, I noticed something hiding in one of those flowers, and it looked kind of large and uh, reptilian. And uh, some of you heard Stephanie let out a little shout. She wasn't really happy there. That was a frog, a great big toe frog. And uh, so I rescued you from that frog. So one of you ladies, one of you mothers owes me a special thank you. I don't know whose flower that was, but you would have had a real surprise when you got that flower. But Stephanie was brave. She grabbed that frog and let out a shriek and passed it off to Jeremy, and he escorted it out of the building. So uh, uh, all of you are checking your flowers now, aren't you? You're, you're looking to see what else may, may crawl out. But we do want to honor our mothers this morning. And, uh, you know, all of us, no doubt, have a special place in our heart for our mother. And I just want to speak briefly before we get into the message this morning about the importance of motherhood. Um, in our modern culture, I, I think the, uh, the idea of being a mother sometimes is downplayed, I think, uh, often, and there's nothing wrong, obviously. You know, you can look in the Bible and uh, find many very powerful women, uh, women who did great and powerful things. But I think in our modern culture, there's an idea that, you know, every woman should have a career and, you know, you should have your own path. And, and uh, if all you do is, is take care of children, if all you do, and I put all you do in, in quotations, if all you do is, quote, a mother, then somehow you're just not... Uh, you know, you're, you're missing out. Maybe you're not as smart as other women. Maybe you're not as driven as other women. But let me assure you that there is no greater calling uh, on this earth than to be a mother, than to care for your children and to love your children, to bring children into this world. That is the greatest calling in all the world. And I wanted to take this morning and, and look at the Mother's Hall of Fame. The Mother's Hall of Fame. I want us to go into the Bible and I want us to begin in the book of Genesis and we're going to pick out a few mothers in the Bible that represent perhaps just a few of the things that our mothers mean to us. That a mother is. And we're going to go all the way back and begin in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 20. And we find the very first mother that the Bible records. We know her as Eve. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Adam called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. Now, all of us here, all of us here may not have known our mother. Our, may, our mother may not have cared for us. But all of us here had a mother. You couldn't be here without a mother. There was someone who gave you the very first gift in a physical sense that you would ever receive, and that is the gift of life. The first thing that our mother gives us is the gift of life. You think about it. You were a freeloader for nine months. I mean, you just... Fed off of your mother, you know, she had to eat for two. And she really did. Some ate for three. 
she had to eat for at least two, if not three. And, and well, there's been some that ate for five or six. My goodness, that, that, was, that had to be uh, uh, a mighty task. But you were a freeloader. And you lived off your mother for nine months. And of course, she kept you safe in her womb. And you were there being fed by her and being cared by her and taking care of by her body. Her body was giving your body life as your body developed. And it came, became from just a single cell into, you know, that beautiful little seven, eight pound, some of you nine pound baby and... Uh, some of them even lower than that, you know, three and four pound even. Uh, I'm going to pick on Dixie. Uh, I remember when Dixie was born, and uh, she was so incredibly small. I remember Mr. Lloyd Vickers, her grandfather. Many of you remember Brother Lloyd. When he saw Dixie, he just, he, well, he was kind of a crier when he got emotional anyway and things like that. And he just, I remember he just busted out crying. And uh, part of it was she was so little. He couldn't believe how little she was. And uh, you started out with that one cell and you grew to be a little baby. Your mother brought you into this world and she gave you your physical life. Someone wrote this and I love it. It, put, it. it says, our mother, she is our first home, our first meal, our first bed, our first sound, our first emotions. It matters not whether she is kind or cruel, beautiful or fearful to behold, clean or dirty, healthy or sickly, moral or immoral, full of love or hate. She was and is our mother, and she gave us life. So all of us owe our mother a great debt of gratitude because she is the one who gave us life. So for every mother, the very first gift that a mother gives is the gift of physical life to carry us for nine months in her womb and to bring us into this world. That is a mother's gift. And it is exemplified by the very first mother in all of the Bible, and that is, of course, Eve. And then I think about another famous mother in the Mother's Hall of Fame, and we find her in Exodus chapter 2 and uh, verse number 1. And you will remember her. You may not remember her name, but you remember her son's name, I'm sure. Her son's name, of course, is Moses. And her name was Jochebed, and she was the mother of Moses. And, you know, she lived in a world uh, very much like our world in which a human life was not considered worthy in terms of the human life in and of itself, but only what that human life could give. And you say, well, I didn't know we lived in a world like that. Well, sure, it's becoming more and more like that every day. We have abortion on demand. And uh, what, what, why is it that what would qualify a baby for an abortion? Well, in our society, based on the laws we have on the books, anything, anything, abortion on demand, there doesn't have to be a reason other than I don't want this baby. That qualifies in our culture, in our society. It is perfectly legal to abort that child in the womb just for no reason at all other than I do not want this baby. Well, that's the kind of culture that Jochebed, Moses' mother, lived in. It was a culture in Egypt, and she was a slave in Egypt. And the Egyptians began to look at the, the Israelites, and they said, My goodness. These people are growing. They're becoming more and more 
of them and, and they're going to overtake us one day. We've got to cut down on this population here. And so the Pharaoh that was in charge, he said, I tell you what, let's do. Instruct the midwives that any time a, a, a baby boy is born, that baby is to be drowned, thrown into the Nile River. If it's a baby girl, we'll let the baby girl live. But all baby boys are to be drowned. Well, the, the Bible says the two midwives, they, they kind of conspired and they didn't obey Pharaoh and he wanted to know why they were letting the boys live. And he said, well, you know, these, these Israelite women are not like Egyptian women. Boy, when they get ready to deliver, boom, it's, it's already here and, and it's here before we get there and by the time we get there, it's too late. Well, they were lying, actually. Uh, and I have to be very careful here, but did you know there's such a thing as a good lie? That was a good lie. They were actually lying to Pharaoh. That was not the case. But they were protecting these innocent babies, these, these midwives. So that wasn't enough for Pharaoh. So Pharaoh made a new command in verse 22. He said, Pharaoh commanded all of his people saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. So he said, I'm not going to depend upon these two midwives. They're tricking me. I'm going to make it a law. And you all know the story what Jochebed... Moses' mother did in chapter 2, verse 1 of Exodus. The Bible says, um, And she conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him and daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent it, and she saw the child. She sent her maid to get it, and when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. And his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse? Uh, for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called her child's mother, and the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and, she be and he became her son, and she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. You know, there's no protector like a mother. There's no protector like a mother. One of the, that was one of the first lessons I learned growing up in a rural area, kind of on my grandfather's farm. He lived right across the road from us. I learned a very good lesson about how protective a mother could be because there was a hen that had a bunch of biddies. And I thought those biddies were real. I just wanted to grab one of them little biddies, you know, and make it my pet. And uh, I went and grabbed one of those biddies. And what do biddies do when you grab them? They begin to chirp or whatever that's called. I'm not sure what it's called. It's more than a chirp. But he began to make a noise. And you know what the mother hen did? If you've ever been around a mother hen, she came and, uh, you know, she jumped all over my head and flapped her wings and... Uh, we had a discussion about that biddy, and she won. And I left her that biddy, and I said, you can have that, that biddy, and, and I, I ran. The protection of a mother. And God has placed in a mother's heart that, that attitude of protection, that that mother wants to protect that child. 
And that's exactly what Moses' mother did. She protected her baby. You know, there's no wrath like the wrath of a mother. If you've ever been unfortunate enough to be the recipient of the wrath of a mother, then you know what I'm talking about. A mother can be over-excessive sometimes in the protection of her children, but that's how God made her. She is a mother, and you mess with her children, and you've stirred up a hornet's nest, and you better beware. So it was with Jochebed, Moses' mother. She loved her little boy. As a matter of fact, she loved her little boy so much, and get this, she was willing to give him up. You remember the story of Solomon? You know, he was God had given him great wisdom. And remember, there were two women, and they had lain down together with both of their newborn sons, and they were all four in a bed together. And the Bible says that one of the women turned over and during the night while she was asleep, and her son was smothered. She smothered her son by accident. And then she... They went to the king, and, and, they, and she was going to claim the other woman's son and say, well, this is my son. That was your son that was smothered. And, and, the, and the real mother said, no, you know, that's not right. That's my son. But, of course, they had to have someone nobody knew. And so they went to the king, like court, to decide whose child is this child. Is it did both women claim it's their son? And they both claimed that it's the other woman's son that died. And you remember what Solomon did? You remember they were both there, and I mean, how did he know which child was which? He said, I tell you what, we'll solve this. Bring me a sword. He said, grab the baby. Somebody grabbed the baby, and I, I can remember an old, someone painted an old religious painting from many years ago. I remember as a child looking in, in a great big Bible, I think my grandfather's Bible. And you got a little a soldier, he's got this baby by one leg, you know, holding the baby up by the leg, and he's got his sword drawn. And Solomon says, I tell you what, we'll solve this right now. Take that baby and split him in half and give half to one and half to the other. Well, of course, the real mother shrieked immediately and said, No, 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 just give him to her. Give him to her. The real mother loved the baby so much she was willing to give him up. And by the way, mothers, that is a lesson sometimes... Sometimes the greatest love is not to grab, to keep that baby, but sometimes to give that baby up or to give that son or that daughter up. Well, there's a third mother in the Hall of Fame that we want to look at, and that is found over in 1 Samuel chapter 1, one of my favorite mothers in the Bible. And, of course, this is Hannah. And Hannah, to me, represents the prayers of a mother, the prayers of a mother. In Hannah chapter 1, 1 Samuel, Hannah had no children, she desperately wanted children. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9, she's found praying. And the Bible says that Eli, Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. And Eli the priest was standing on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, who was the priest, watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Then, therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. And Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. 
But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. And Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. And the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Well, we won't have time to read the whole story, but you know that God heard Hannah's prayer, and he gave Hannah a little boy, and she called him Samuel. And I love what she says over in chapter 1, toward the latter part of the chapter, There in verse number 27, she is bringing uh, the child to the Lord and telling Eli what happened. In verse 27, she said, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I ask of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. And they worshiped the Lord there. You know... I heard someone say uh, just this past week, I don't remember whether I read it in an article, I can't remember where I, I read it, but it was a mother talking about her child, and she said, you know, having a child is like having a piece of your heart walking around outside of your body the rest of your life. Anything that happens to that child happens to you. You know, you protect your body, you protect yourself, but your child is outside of you, And so it is that there are times, especially as our children get older, and you mothers, as your children children get older, that you can't put that hand of protection upon them. And sometimes all you can do is pray for them. To pray for that child. The mother's prayer. Hannah is an example of a mother who prays. She prayed to receive Samuel. And then once she received Samuel, she gave him back to the Lord, and she continued to pray for him and lift him up. You may not be able to make decisions for your child, but what we all can do is pray for our child. And that's what Hannah did, and she's the example of a praying mother. Well, there's another example in the Mother's Hall of Fame I want us to look at, and it's over in Proverbs 31. You know, every Mother's Day, I think sometimes uh, mothers fear for the preacher to turn to Proverbs 31. You know, and oh my goodness, he's going to go through Proverbs 31. My goodness, who in the world... Who in the world can live up to Proverbs 31? Well, we're not going to get into that latter part of the passage, you know, that talks about, you know, this woman, and she's superwoman. As a matter of fact, I saw on Facebook someone had their mother dressed up in a super, you know, the, 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 the superwoman suit. And uh, sometimes we feel like our mother is superwoman with all that she does. But so it was in Proverbs 31. But we're not going to get there. We're going to start in verse number 1. And if a mother gives us life, if a mother has that protective spirit and attitude that she wants to protect us, if a mother is one who lifts up our name before the Lord in prayer, often a mother is one who warns us. How many times has your mother took you aside and said, now son or daughter, don't do that. Don't do that. Be careful here. I'm worried about you. What's going on? And that's part of being a mother. That's part of being a mother. And listen, no mother's perfect. I mean, sometimes mothers have bad ideas. 
Don't tell my mother I said that. But sometimes mothers have bad ideas. But you can rest assured that your mother cares about you and when she gives you a warning, she gives you instruction. It may be flawed, but you can rest assured that at her heart, she wants what's best for you. And to the best of her knowledge, she's trying to give you instruction to keep you from danger, to keep you from hurt. So that uh, Proverbs 31, and by the way, some people think King Lemuel is referring to Solomon, that that was kind of like a, a, like a um, you know, the name people use when they write. I, I don't know if it was. Perhaps it was Solomon. Uh, but anyway, the mother of the one called King Lemuel, he gives, he, she gives him advice and she gives him warning. It says, the words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. She said, what my son and what son of my womb and son of my vows? I like that the first thing she's doing is reminding him where he came from. She says, son of my womb. I know you're a big boy now and you're walking around, you know, big strapping man. But remember, I toted you around for nine months. So listen to me. I gave you your first meal. This was your first bed. I mean, you remember what I'm telling you. Listen to me, big boy. says, do not give your strength to women nor your ways to that that destroys kings. My goodness, you know, the mother's always looking out for the, for the girlfriends, right? She says, watch those girls, son. Look out. And no doubt the mother speaking to the daughter saying, watch out for those boys. Watch out for those boys, you know. Make good decisions. That's, you know, how many mothers have had that discussion with their child. Watch out for the opposite sex. Think clearly. You know, don't, don't get yourself in a mess here. Verse 4, it is not for kings, O Lemuel, to drink wine or for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. You know, they didn't have drugs back in those days. And, and what is she warning her son? She first warns him about women or immorality. And second, secondly, she says, watch out for addiction. Look out. Don't let alcohol or any other substance in our culture, drugs or whatever there might be, be something that controls your life. You don't want to be a slave or a servant to anything. Mother caring for her child, giving her child warnings of immorality, warnings against Addiction, And then she finally says, verse 8, Open your mouth for the speechless and the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. I love the fact that Lemuel's mother did not simply give him negative advice. Don't do this. Watch, watch out for those women. You know, watch out for alcohol. And of course, if they would have had drugs back then, drugs. But then she says, here's what you should do. She says, be a person who's compassionate. Care for the needy. Open your mouth for those who are speechless. Open your mouth for those who are appointed to die. Judge righteously. Remember, he was a king. He had authority. And she reminded him, listen, you need to be a righteous person, a merciful person, a person who judges rightly. So we're talking about mothers this morning. And, and again, how many times, especially when we're younger, you know, you teenagers, you, you folks that are graduating from high school, you know, I know you get tired of hearing your mama give you those speeches about, you know, listen, son, listen, you need to do this, you need to do that. Listen. Please be patient and just listen. 
Just listen to your mother. You can, you can, you, you're going to be free soon enough. And you know, sometimes us older folks, our, our, you know, our mothers maybe don't talk to us as much as we get older because, you know, we've kind of went our way. And, but sometimes our mothers will set us aside. And, and I'll say to you, us men, you know, our wives kind of come in and, and, and they kind of become a surrogate mother to us a lot of times. You know, that the, they begin to give us advice and uh, tell us things that we need to be careful. And you know, Lloyd's not always right. You know, there's been times she's been wrong, but I have learned that I would be wise to listen when she says, there's something about women, and I'll go ahead and admit this, they have an intuition. You know, have you ever had your wife say, you better watch out now, I'm telling you. You better watch this person. And said, oh, you must be out of your mind. You must be crazy. Now, I never tell my wife that. Maybe I thought that. But then later on, you find out, you know, how did she kind of know? How did she know that? Sometimes women just have a kind of a, a sixth sense, and that doesn't mean they're always right, but it does mean that we men, when our wife tells us something, we need to file that away. Amen. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> we need to file that away. Thank you. Your husband doesn't thank you, but I thank you. And Lloyd thanks you. Our mothers care for us and often have great advice for us, and men often our wives. Maybe our mothers have gone on to be with the Lord, or you know we don't see them every day like we used to, but now our wives are in that position, and often they have great advice. Great advice if we will listen. Well, very quickly, we want to finish up here. Matthew chapter 20, uh, there's something else in the Mother's Hall of Fame, and, and now we're in the New Testament. And remember James and John, you know, they were two disciples of Jesus, and, and I, I love this passage in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. And I tell you, one of the reasons I love it is because I coached Little League Baseball for a few years, and I learned a lot about a mother's dreams for their children. I really did. I learned a lot about that. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, that says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him, that is, came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. Now, can you believe that? A mother's asking something for our children. We, we've all seen this happen a million times. And he said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. And Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, We are able. And he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. A mother's dreams. Now you can't blame the mother of James and John. She's like every mother. She wanted the best for her children. And she's willing. If she, every mother's not vocal, but their mother was. And if any of you got a vocal mother, you don't have to say amen. I'm not going to call her name because she might be watching. You can raise your hand, though. I, saw, I see that hand. I see that hand. I remember a dear lady that I grew up with, one of the finest Christian ladies that, that, that I know. And uh, she'd go to a basketball game. 
And let me tell you, the referee would make a bad call. She'd say, you could hear. She would say, now you know that's not right. You know that's not right. That is not right. She was a vocal mother. And she put in her two cents worth or ten cents worth or a dollar's worth at any event. And this was James and John's mother. She was a vocal mother. And she said, I've got two good boys. And they're good boys. And I t- I'm gonna sp- they won't speak up for themselves, but I'm going to speak up for them. I'm going to talk to Jesus. He needs to know about it. And she did. She went to Jesus and said, now these two boys... I'm not asking much. Just when you come into your kingdom, I want one on the right hand and the other on the left. (laughs) Let's give room for somebody else, okay? I want one on the right hand and another on the left. You know, Jesus was very gracious. He said, first of all, you don't know what you're asking. You know, are you able to to suffer like I'm going to suffer? And, of course, the disciples, Lord, we're able. We're able. You know, he said, well, you know what? You are going to suffer like I'm going to suffer. You actually are. But it's not mine to give who sits on my right right hand and who sits on my left. That's up to the Father to decide that. But let me tell you, I talked about coaching Little League, and one of the things I learned when I coached Little League, you know, every mother believes their child should play shortstop and back cleanup. And, you know, God help you coaches. I pray for you. But that's, that's the way a mother is. You can't blame a mother for having dreams for her child. Thank God for mothers who see in us the superstar when nobody else does. You know, thank God for mothers who, who look at us and they see in us a, a success when nobody else sees a success. We all need mothers like that who give us confidence and who, who encourage us to go and to do bigger and better things. And so was James and John's mother. Yes, she was a little overboard and, you know, uh, she, she had gotten a little beyond herself, had outrun her coverage, as we might say. But, but she had dreams for her children, and that is a mother often has a dream for her child. Well, the last thing I want to share is Luke chapter 2 and verse 33. All the things that a mother di- does and, you know, her prayer, her dreams, her gift of life. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 33... There's a sad part to being a mother often, and that is a mother's sorrow. I mentioned about the mother that I heard just this past week talking about being a mother is like having a piece of your heart walking around outside of you. And anything that happens to that heart happens to you. And the Bible talks about Jesus' mother Mary in Luke chapter 2, verse 33. Remember, they were in the temple, and, and there was this prophet, uh, Simeon, And he was prophesying uh, about Jesus and who he was going to be when he grew up. And he spoke to Mary. And in verse number 34, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And then in John chapter 19, verse 25, when Jesus is being crucified, we see that the Bible says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, His mother, and His mother's sister. 
And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. And really, I just want you to look at that very first statement in John 19, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother. Just let that sink in your mind. There stood by the cross of Jesus, Jesus who has been scourged with a cat of nine tails, his back is all destroyed, he's had a crown of thorns, you know, placed upon his head and, and pressed down, all those thorns that went into his head. His beard, the Bible says, was plucked out by the, by the soldiers. And it says he was more marred than, than any man. In other words, he was a terrible sight to behold physically. And he's now nailed to a cross. And he's hanging on a cross, naked. They stripped all his clothes. You know, the artists, they paint Jesus, and, and in modesty, they'll, you know, they'll put some strip of cloth you know, on Jesus. But in reality, he was naked. He had no clothes. He was on the cross, naked, stripped, being crucified. A terrible sight for anyone to behold of any human being. But Mary, the Bible says his mother, was standing at the cross. A sword was pierced through her heart. Here's Jesus. And yes, He's the Savior, and He's her Savior too. But Jesus was carried by Mary for nine months. Mary was Jesus' earthly mother. So yes, she loved Jesus, but that was her son. And she stood and she had to watch her son suffer and die. And not only that, but she had to watch him to be ridiculed by those who were crucifying him and all that he ever claimed to be. They stood and they said, he's not really the son of God. If he's God's son, let him come saving from the cross. You know, it's one thing to watch him suffer and die, but she also had to watch him be ridiculed and shamed. And it seemed that everything he ever claimed to be, to be proven to be a lie. And there she was at the foot of the cross. I thank God for our mothers, but you know, our mothers are always one. They give us life. They protect us. They pray for us. They warn us. They dream for us sometimes. And yes, they weep for us. Our mothers weep for us. When we go through sorrow... They go through sorrow. Well, how can we repay them? I mentioned Proverbs 31. I think Proverbs 31 gives us the way that we can repay them. Proverbs 31 verse 30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Our mothers gave us life. Our mothers protected us, prayed for us, warned us, dreamed for us, and weeped for us. Let us, let us love them. And you know, that's really all a mother wants when it's all said and done is your love. Many of you, your mothers perhaps are going on to be with the Lord or perhaps, perhaps you, you don't know where your mother is. Well, you can pray for your mother. But for those of you that have a mother that is still here, I would encourage you 
Let's love our mothers. Just love them. Just love them. You know, sometimes I mention all these things that our mothers do for us. Sometimes as you go through life, you know, hard feelings can develop. And sometimes people feel wronged. And you have mothers and children that have, have, that they've got things between them and they just don't get along. But let me tell you something. You can never change the fact that that is your mother. Or if you're the mother and you have a child that you're estranged from, that's your child. That, that, that can never be changed. So if there's something between you and your mother, I would just encourage you to, 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 for the sake of all that your mother is, make things right. Make things right. Embrace again. Love your mother. And tell her verbally that you love her. I think maybe for us men, sometimes that might be a little harder, maybe for, for women, but, you know, yes, yeah, she knows you love her, but tell her. Tell her. Verbalize it. You know, the Bible is very clear that we should confess Jesus with her mouth and believe in our heart. And I think there's a reason. It means something to say it. It's one thing to think it, but saying it requires effort and commitment. And I encourage you to tell your mother you love her, even though you may have differences, even though, you know, yeah, you, you may have problems and issues, but, but, but love her. Let her know you love her. So she did all that for us, for you, for me. Let's love her and praise her and thank her. Let's pray. Father, there are many mysteries in this world, many mysteries in the way you created life. And one of the great mysteries is how... You created that in order for life to be created on this earth, it takes two people, a man and a woman. And Lord, we call that man father and we call that woman mother. And God, I pray that you will help us to appreciate the wonder of the way you created us with a man and a woman. And I pray that we will remember that woman that we call mother who carried us for nine months, who cared for us as a child, who gave us life, and in often in many cases, in most cases, Lord, who brought us up, who taught us, prayed for us, and even continues to this day. I pray that you will let us honor our mothers as you command us to. Let us return and repay to them for all that they've done for us. Let us repay them with love and appreciation and respect that is due our mothers. Father, I pray if there's one here that doesn't know you, Lord, that you may draw them to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing a hymn number, I pray if you're here this morning, you want to come pray, you want to make a decision for the Lord, you just obey the Lord as we sing. Amen.